Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Sound Pollution. This is episode number 22. I got some cool things going on. I've got Treon page is up and running. I have the details down below. I've also got the t-shirts still for sale. I have large, extra large, and extra extra large, and that's about it. They are 20 a piece. I hope you guys have been uh, checking out the lives I've had going on on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Everybody who watches, I really appreciate it. I am trying diligently to get musicians to um, safely play either at my my lovely apartment or uh, via pulling them through on Facebook. I do apologize in advance. If I pull somebody through on Facebook, unfortunately, YouTube and Instagram won't be able to see it. I'm still trying to kind of work that kink out. But, you know, check it out. It's You get to see a little bit more of the voice behind the podcast and kind of hear what's been going on. This week's episode features Stacking Pennies. He's going to discuss his really unique sound. He's going to discuss a couple tracks with us, give us some great advice, and we're just going to have a, a good time. I hope you enjoy it. Cool. Well, congratulations on the uh, podcast. That's pretty rad. I hope it, uh, hope it blows up. I hope you make a million bucks and never have to work again. So far, I've made $22.10. Hell yeah, that's awesome. In 11 months. It's like Spotify, man. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. album was played in like 17 countries or something. I was like, holy crap, like this is really, people are noticing this record. I don't even know how, I'm not even like on social media. And like they they pay you you for streams and they pay you like a dollar 27 for every like four and a half million streams that you get. I think I made like (laughs) like two bucks and then like some donations on Bandcamp, which is cool, man. But yeah, I mean, it's, that stuff's going pretty good. Um, you know, we got a tape release. Well, there, I found a company out Chattanooga that was interested in printing the tape, and tape's kind of trendy, so that's cool. I dig it. That'll be out in a couple weeks, I think. Pretty rad. Have you thought about pressing it on vinyl? Yeah. You know what's cool about vinyl? It sounds great, but vinyl sucks because to print a hundred of them is like thirty-six hundred dollars. No shit. Yeah, man. So like. I tried real hard to try to find like a label that would, you know, sign me for, you know, to press it on vinyl. Cause ultimately the, the goal was to print it to vinyl. All right. I don't have 3,600 bucks. Uh, no, I mean, most I do, but not for, don't. Like, yeah. I, I could like liquidate like the studio, but then I would have liquidated the studio to make one vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, don't do that. So fuck that. So, listeners, we are here with Stacking Pennies. Uh, Stacking Pennies, why don't you tell them about yourself? Uh, I am from Philadelphia, by, and I live in Denver, and I am a solo shoegaze act. That's me. And you can't see anything, but I'm giving a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you didn't want to use your name because you want to, even on like your albums on Bandcamp and everything, you don't use your name. And why do you want to remain anonymous? I just don't necessarily love the idea of, um, this is art, right? It's art music. It's not necessarily like pop music. It's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And what happens with a lot of rock acts, I guess, is like, you know, people's egos notoriously blow up. So if I kind of removed myself from... How do you say it? Like if I remove myself from my art, then there's, there is no ego. It's just art. And I think that's a cool approach to music. 
Okay. It's ungodly annoying to play with people whose head is so blown up because there's some big name or something, and you're just like, dude, shut up, you play drums. Like, you're a good drummer, but you're not, like, you don't deserve this humongous ego. So right. I just kind of try to, like, take that out of it and just make really good good music. And what kind of music would you say you do? Uh, You know, I would say it's, like, shoegaze, but I think the thing with shoegaze music is it's kind of, like, defies genre a little bit. Um, so like, like I, went, I went to school for jazz and I think that most of the the melodies are, are kind of minimal it's a lot of a mid five chords you know it's it's not like it's not simple bar chord kind of music it's strong melody um, strong counterpoint and still relatable that was kind of the goal when I wrote it mm-hmm. so I don't know I think it sounds pretty cool no I dig it how did you come up with your specific sound, though? Like, is that um, did you pull from all of those little little things, like from the from the jazz and from the shoegaze? Did you pull like all of it and kind of come up with something new? Because it's very interesting. I haven't heard anything like it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, so like, like I've just played jazz for so long, and then when I started kind of branching out after school you kind of go back to the music that you listened to before you studied, right? So mm-hmm. for me, that was like, I listened to way too much Loveless. It's a great record. Or like, you know, we're big into Jesus and Mary Chain, like My Bloody Valentine, LSD and the Search for God, that kind of thing. So it was like, cool, let's see what I can do with applying this kind of new functional, um, you know, like theory to a sound that's a little less refined and, and a little more uh, effects driven. And then as I started like getting more and more into it, it's just like a rabbit hole, man. You get like, cool, sweet distortion pedal. And then the next thing you know, you've got like 30 pedals and you're trying to figure out where the buzz is coming from. So you have to go get a freaking power supply. It's like isolated. And then you're tracing oddball clips from amps into speakers and trying to find which speakers have the best mids and which have the best bass sections. And it's just like this humongous rabbit hole. You just keep going down and down and down. Yeah. (laughs) it gets expensive, but it doesn't have to, you know. I think that the, the big thing um, with this particular project was I played with so many bands before I decided to do like a solo thing that I, I didn't necessarily want anybody else's influence. And that meant that I had to learn a lot about production. Um, I did everything from like writing to mastering. Like I mastered this album too. So yeah, yeah but like to do that, you know, I read like four college textbooks in the process of making this album, you know, just trying to figure out why my mids are cut, if it's phase cancellation or like, you know, what does compression on the lower mid band sound like as opposed to like the higher mid band. So it's just like got a lot of heady technical stuff, but you need that. If you're, if you're really going to use the studio as a, as an instrument, you kind of need to know that stuff. And it's heady and boring, I'm sure to a lot of people who just like, listen to cool music, but I don't know, man, I just, I needed it. What made you re- realize that you wanted to be an independent musician? It was working with some bigger guys. Um, and then, so when you're like playing jazz, you gig all the time. That's where you make it living. Mm-hmm. Eventually those gigs dry up and you start taking the rock gigs and the studio gigs and whatever you can get to make money. After a while, it was just like I was so tired of playing other people's music. I was like, I'll just do it myself. I mean, that's, I never said I wanted to be an independent artist. I just kind of am by default, you know? No. Mm-hmm. Kind of goofy. Well, that brings me to the next question. 
I mean, because you said you you did jazz before that. What was the moment where you were like, I have to do music. This is what I do. This is who I am. So for me, I had been playing my entire life, you know, like, you know, stupid, right? It's concert band when you're a kid and choir and like the bell choir and like your mom's in the audience going, yay, woohoo, you know? (laughs) But like that turned into, okay, I got this gig and I got this small tour and I can go to school for music. Cool. Let's just keep this, this, uh, this train rolling. By the time I'd made it to university, um, it was like, I was playing with my professors and I was gigging with these people all the time. And I realized that like, I wasn't really getting anywhere. So I, I put it down. I stopped playing for probably three or four years, maybe longer than that, which I find like a lot of, guys in my position do it's incredibly frustrating to devote your life to understanding functional music theory and like the production side of it and the engineering side of it and like every little iota of detail um and i just put it down i was like this is enough is enough i'm tired of being broke i'm tired of living in closets dealing with these assholes just constantly like yeah and you just don't get anywhere it's just always about somebody else's personality or ego so I was like, all right, well, screw this. I'm going to try something else. And I did the cooking thing for a while and construction. And then after a few years, I was like, just, it's just, I don't know, for musicians, I'm sure a lot of musicians feel the same way. There's just like this void. Yeah. So you're always trying to fill that with something. And for and me, it sometimes was like, those things aren't good. <laughs> no, I would say that probably is relatively true for me too. But um, yeah, I just, I tried to fill it with so many different things and it just wasn't working. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go buy a bass. It's been like four or five years. I'm going to go yeah. buy a bass. And then I bought the bass and an amp and then three other amps and then a bunch of guitar pedals and then like a whole studio. And I'm just like, great. I have all this cool stuff. Let's make some music. So, you just couldn't not do it. Nah. And it's, it's just like, it's like Pringles, man. You just like pop that cap off and then you're, yeah and it's and you're still want more there's never enough Ugh. i know grocery stores out it's yeah it's off <laughs> so let, let's talk about your title track off your ep sure child resolve yeah tell me about that so this album um you know it was like something my wife and i are kind of into is like shoegaze sound and so i kind of wanted to i kind of wanted to make a record that she would like um so i did that and Mm -hmm. wild resolve is about my wife and her wild ass personality man she's she's definitely a wild card Uh, firecracker i don't know what the hell i got myself into but she's great (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's about my wife it's for my wife and it's uh i mean basically this whole album was kind of designed as a way to like get my wife to listen to my music because she doesn't like heavy metal. And that's the only other project I'm playing right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. It's funny. Like I'll talk to musicians and they'll be like, they're always, they're like, this is my project. This is my baby. But they're like, I'm also doing this. And it's always so far away from the one. (laughs) It's heavy metal is fun. I mean, you want to talk about keeping your chops together, playing lead in a heavy metal band is the funnest thing it's like post-rock right it's like effects heavy but you know when you're like going over van halen riffs i don't even like van halen that much dude eddie van halen is a serious fucking guitar player 
He is no joke. I know, man. The things that he did as far as like down tuning um, by like two cents, you know, where like just so it pops more so your listener hears it more. Or like he would take a thing called an Omite Variac um, transformer, which controls the voltage coming out of the wall, right? So in the old days, um, transformers in your amplifiers couldn't take more than 110 volts. So they upgraded the grid because there was too much power on it, and then the wall voltage went to 120. So all those old amplifiers actually, uh-huh. they, they started having tube problems. So what you do to fix that is you run it through a Variac transformer and you bring the voltage down. So what Eddie Van Halen did was he brought the voltage down to a minimal level so that his tubes were running really cold. And that's where they get the brown sound from, which I did not know until I got an old amp. I was like, shit, I got to not blow this fucking thing is up. <laughs> so I got a, a Variac transformer and found all that stuff out of a old VH. I didn't know that. Dude. I did not know that. He's a rad guy. Also, <laughs> Pantera, say what you will about them. Dimebag Daryl. Oh, he was the shit. Dude, he took van halen style to like the next level like he's so in line with that heritage of like and he did the same kind of detuning trick and like yeah man dime back fuck yeah brother dime my man awesome gosh yes since you prefer anonymity are are you wanting to perform lime live lime jesus live (laughs) and if so how are you going to do that yeah I, i have every intention of performing live um, if we ever can do that again. Right. But, you know, as far as keeping my, you know, identity anonymous, sure, it's going to be tough to do, but I'm going to have to buy a big haze machine, I guess, and just fucking smoke the place you out. Like, you could, like, see it up with, like, the wig in front of your face. I mean, you could draw <laughs> kinds of things. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out a, a way to, like, get around that. You know, the bag on your face thing is kind of played. I'm not wearing a Slipknot mask. Uh, what about like a phantom of the opera like it's just the one side <laughs> no, seriously that could work yeah <laughs> yeah the trick is like balancing this like identity thing with like also not looking like a scenester kid you know which or, is, uh, there's nothing wrong with that look or serial killer yeah or serial killer, right we've been toying around the idea of playing behind like a big like a sheet like hanging a sheet in front of a stage so it's silhouettes it's just silhouettes sure. and like lights behind um also cool. yeah man i saw like there's a band out there called Nothing from Philly. Um, they put a video out that was just, there's so much haze, you couldn't see them. So much haze and like lights behind them. It was like, okay, this is a really good idea. Um, so like you could see their bodies, but not their faces. But not their really. faces, like no wow, that's smart. So yeah, I like the anonymous thing. It's, it's made it, it's interesting to write from a perspective that's not you. You know, like you almost have to assume a character to some extent, which is cool. Never done that before. The, the next album is, is an interesting release because it was kind of... So so I wrote the first album, and the stuff that didn't make it on the first album turned into a second album. Right. That album didn't get recorded yet. In the meantime, I had all these friends that were just sitting around in their functional studios with just small... You know, some guys had a piano, some guys had a... You know, just like a, a little two-in, two-out interface and an acoustic guitar. It's like, sweet. We're all going to play on this record together. So the record is called With Friends, and it should be out in two or three months, but it's kind of cool because it's like, where the first album was 100% me, this album, I just kind of laid the groundwork for a bunch of guys and said, here, put some bass on this. Uh, my buddy Joe, is he put an electric mandolin on one track, and it sounds super nice. cool. So like, 
that's really rad. Um, and I just uploaded the waves as long as they sent them to me in like, you know, 4,800 um, sample rate. And I can, yeah, I just mixed it in with the rest of the, of the, the record and it turned out really, really cool. Okay, so you're going to have to um, email me when that gets released and we'll do another like update episode. So we yeah, can sure. push that. Yeah, no, because I want to hear the mandolin one on a personal level. Like, that's great. <laughs> I mean, he, he put like some oddball like reverse reverb on it. And uh, he's another like heavy metal dude. It's it's kind of cool to take these metal guys and uh-huh. and these jazz guys and kind of put them in a blender and say, here's this real weird effects driven shit. What can you do to it? You know? And then they come up with these crazy fucking things: electric mandolin through like a phaser and a and a reverse reverb pedal, and like it just sounds so like crystally and cool. I'm really psyched about the new release. It's a it's a different. It's more in line with slow dive. And like, um, maybe like uh, slow crush or, yeah, like that kind of like new gaze sound um, than it is with a traditional, you know, my blade no. Valentine variety. I bet it was fun to do that. And did you have to do a lot of that virtually because of everything going on, or was so it just I did like... everything virtually. Yeah. So like, how? Uh, emails, man. I ran out of Google storage. So no. <laughs> I like delete everything a couple days ago because I just used up all the the storage um but yeah so I, I would physically record like a whole track and then mm-hmm. if it was missing something and i knew a guy in philly or i got a, a guy in, in texas actually this is kind of cool so one of the, the tracks off the new record just some dude on reddit was like hey i'm looking for somebody who's making shoegaze that just wants a lyricist and i was like cool i'll send you a track and you just send me back your vocals don't mix it in. Just send me the raw data and I'll do the engineering and editing and all that. And he did. And then he disappeared. I never even talked to the guy. Not one fucking time. I've never even heard the dude's voice except for the wave he sent me. And it turned out awesome. Like I'm super excited about this track. Yeah. And he's just, I, I don't know. Anything. I don't know anything about him, man. He's some dude on Reddit. And like, he stopped responding to emails after, I mean, you want to talk about anonymous, dude, that's, fucking rad i cannot like here's my voice have fun yeah pretty much that's insane yeah so i just compressed it and put some reverb on it and mixed it into a track and like it sounds like it's supposed to sound that way that's awesome i hope he hears this hey man nice to
<laughs> so tell me about home. You, it's titled home slash anxiety. Sure. Um, that started as like kind of just like a minimalist kind of riff. Um, I was trying to omit fifths in the melody um, and then just use bar chords underneath to keep it like relatable sounding, which I think it sounds pretty different. Like it's sincere, but not like unrelatable, I think was the goal with that one. And the lyrics kind of came from the fact that Philadelphia fucking sucks. And like, I really miss Philly. But I have no fucking reason to go back there ever. It's a terrible place. I'm like, I was, got robbed so many times. Like, my no, family is absolutely crazy. So, I'm homesick, but every time I go home, it's like an instant panic attack. <laughs> that's got to like. You know, that's funny because with the distortion in that song and with with how you laid out the chord progression and then, you know, all the cool sounds around it, it sort of sounds like how I would say an anxiety attack feels. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that was the first thing I noticed. Like, like when you're having an anxiety or a panic attack, it almost everything feels far away. But then there's these really loud sounds over here. But they yeah. don't match these loud sounds over here. Like you can't make things make sense. You're like it's just like this. Yes, exactly. You're in a tunnel, man. Oh yeah, totally. I didn't know you you could express that with audio, and I've tried. There's, and there's, there's you did a really good job. Thank you. I I appreciate that. Um, yeah, man, it's all about my uh, my buddy Ethan says uh, reverb and remorse, R and R. I like it. Um, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. Reverb. Um, there's a, a cool thing you can do with panning. If you pan, so let's say you have a, a, a line that you like, right? And you have your your focus melody up front, center, center your um, your stereo imagery, right? You're talking mm -hmm. real center, and then you're like, cool. How do I keep this popping, but still make it sound like it's far away? So you double track a guitar line or a keyboard mm -hmm. line or whatever it is. Well, I didn't use any keyboards on the record, but um, I just double track some guitar lines. And then I panned them far left and right. I also recorded everything in stereo. So it was two mics, right? So now we have two guitar lines um, in, in four different tracks. The one line, I'll pan it the closer mic all the way to the right, and then the further mark all the way to the left. And then on the second line, I'll do it completely backwards. So the two close mics are panned wide and the two far mics are panned wide, but they're opposite tracks. So it sounds very humongous and far away, yes. but you can still pop your vocals or whatever it is. And the, the vocals weren't meant to pop on that record. I didn't really use any compression on the vocals. Um, so it was kind of cool just to use that panning on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the guitars really, which was kind of cool.
You seem to be able to use, you know, the technology behind music to elicit feelings. Was that yeah. intentional? Like, yeah, did you totally. work at that sound? Yeah, I did. I, I, so I got into engineering, um, recording the post-metal band. We had a demo we wanted to record. We were about to start playing shows, like, pre-COVID. And I had just started acquiring all this gear, and it had been a long time. So I made the dive and threw a couple bucks into it. I spent so much money on music. I'm not even like a rich guy. I just like, I got the gear acquisition syndrome real bad. So like, yeah. I, just keep, <laughs> I just keep like amassing stuff and like cheap gear that works and cheap gear that doesn't work and you can trade it up. So anyway, so um, I just started like recording the band and, uh, and seeing what worked and what didn't work. Um, big phasing problems. A lot of the time you have to work through that stuff. Cause as I was trying to figure out like how I could make this sound more professional, um, I realized that the studio is its own instrument, completely its own instrument, um, which is a really cool thing. I mean, you can do all kinds of goofy stuff with flanging. And like back in the day when everything was analog, you know, like you ever heard of a flanger effect? Sound like a, like a plane coming in? Yeah. They used to just take their finger and put it on the tape. And that's how flanging came to be. So like, I just thought, cool, what can I do with this like audio thing? Um, I tried not to use too many plugins or like effects that weren't analog. Um, but yeah, like tweaking pedals while you're playing, recording in stereo and kind of mm -hmm. like zipping them back and forth. I mean, you can do all kinds of goofy shit with, if you have the, you know, the ambition to do it. So yeah, big pedal board helps. That's kind of fun. Too. Cool. What advice would you give to somebody who's going to who wants to start doing music specifically somebody who wants to be an independent musician? Um, buy good tools because you're going to be a contractor for a while. And then I would say, yeah, don't fucking get a big head and like just push yourself musically to make music that satisfies you because 
man, I've played in so many facets of, of, of music as like an independent artist and with independent artists from different parts of the world. Not the world, really. Well, I guess a little bit. What I mean to say is like, you really need to just make yourself happy and make art that you're satisfied with. Because if you're not doing that, then you're wasting your time. Nobody gives a shit about your project until you're happy with it. I mean, that's really what it is. I've played in so many bands, nobody gives a shit about any of them. Even the ones that blew up, they're not making any money. They, they, they still are all contractors. You're like chefs. So like, if you're not making music for yourself, then you're not making music properly. Like you really need to be satisfied with your art um, so that you can kind of like brace the rest of the world um, and live as a musician. I, nice. I, guess, I guess that's kind of what I got. Okay. No, I get it. Also, rigid power tools work really well, but you're going to have to make a living. <laughs> yeah. Still got to work. Still, Still got to work. work. The last song I wanted to ask you about um, was Goodbye, Kev. What's that What's that about? So that, my, brother, um, my brother passed away in January of last year, so a year ago. It was, it was a strange time. We were kind of estranged at that point. He had... Yeah. Some serious circumstances. Um, mental illness is a big deal. And yeah, all you listeners out there in Radio Land, like go get help if you need it. Cause yeah, there's people, help out there. People want to help you. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, my brother kind of balanced um, mental illness and drug addiction in a, in a big way. And we lost him. And uh, yeah. So sorry. Yeah. Don't, uh, it is what it is, you know. And Just you wrote Try to make song. lemonade. Yeah. I mean, it or was, did you write him a song or did you write yourself a song to heal? I it's the lyrics in the song, I know they're kind of illegible, but you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 a goodbye note. I mean, I had a lot I needed to say to him before he died. And because of his mental illness and because of his drug addiction, um he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I hadn't talked to him in probably a year and a half. So and then most of my family had. Yeah, because you couldn't be you, you, you love an addict from a distance. You can't be right there. It's 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 an absolutely brutal lifestyle. Um, trying to, yeah, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but like, go get help and like make it happen if you have the problem. Yeah, yeah, and the stigma. Because everybody yeah. wants to help you is the thing. Yes. Um, but nobody can afford to keep getting ripped off and like, no. unfortunately, and like you have, you have to want to help yourself. Totally. The, the good thing about Kev, I think, um, from what I understand, at the end of his life, he was he was sober for the majority of the last, like, year or whatever that I hadn't spoken to him. And I think, in a way, maybe he needed to get away from us, you know, to kind of, like, break that cycle, um, to get his head under control. I mean, he had a job, and, uh, and, he, and I know that he was peeing clean because he was working at a rehabilitation center. So Yeah, you have to. That's a bit of a sentimental song for me. And I think that was part of the healing process, really. It's just shocking. I mean, it's also bizarre that the feeling of like living with an addict that you love and not being able to help them and just being exhausted all the time, waiting for the phone call, you know, like, cause you know, it, it's coming. It, you, it might be there soon. And then one day it shows up and you can prepare for it all you want, but there's nothing you can do, man. It's it's not easier.
Anyway, I've, had, I've kept you for too long. We've rambled. I'm so sorry. Nah, it's all good. It was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. All right, everybody. That was this week's episode of Sound Pollution featuring Stacking Pennies. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and if you haven't checked out any of the other episodes, if this is your first episode, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to some of the music-only episodes, um, some of the best ofs, and you can keep up with what's going on with sound pollution on all social media sites, including Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Tumblr, and Twitter, and believe it or not, MySpace, which is uh, basically just for musicians now. If I haven't said that before, you should definitely check it out. You can find some interesting uh, music there. Uh, not an advertisement, not getting paid, but if MySpace is listening, the email is soundpollutionpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me at soundpollutionpodcast.com. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Definitely uh, touch base on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Instagram for the weekly lives. Like I said, I've been trying really hard. If I can't get somebody to play, I am probably going to start uh, playing uh when that's all that's left but in advance i'm not a very good guitarist i'm really just a singer so um yeah sorry about that in advance as well uh thank you so much for listening to the show i definitely appreciate it i've gotten some good momentum going some great feedback hey if you uh would like to be on an episode of sound pollution definitely all those addresses i already gave out let me know i am already uh basically booked up all the way through March. I just don't even know how that happened, but I am super duper grateful. And, um, that's about it. There's enough rambling for today. You guys have a wonderful week. Make some noise. Bye.